You know, I feel like just yesterday that you and I were sitting down to record the World Cup preview show of Hot Takes Only, but here we are on the eve of the knockouts, uh, recording this Thursday night. This will be up late Thursday night, early Friday morning, and we're just... I, I, I know you and I are both excited for it, but just give me your sense of what the group stage was like for you, Willie. Well, Owen, the first thing you asked when we did our, our preview podcast was how excited are you out of, on a scale of 10? And I I think this World Cup so far has been 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Very few 0-0 draws, lots of goals, late drama, parody. Like, I, I think there's nothing more you could have asked for so far. Yeah, totally with you there. And I, I think I said 11 out of 10, and I, I stand by that. I mean, it's been an incredible World Cup so far, and I hope it, it only gets better from here. Me uh, too. If, folks, if you can't tell, Willie is actually not in the same place as me for once. We're actually doing this remotely for the first time in uh-huh. our podcast history through, I think, two name changes, a couple rebrands, yep. and a long phase. <laughs> we are back, but we're doing this remotely for once um, just to see if we can get more content pushed out regularly. Because this is something we both love to do. It's just to sit down and talk about sports, no matter what the what the sport is, if it's something we both mm-hmm. enjoy. Obviously, there's going to be gaps as far as you know other sports like hockey and lacrosse. We're not as big on as like the soccer's or the basketballs or the baseballs or or the footballs or what have you. But we're just happy to be doing this, and we're hopefully going to be doing this more regularly. But then again, this is the World Cup, and there's only there's nothing oh. like it. And I'm just. You know, as as kind of sad I am that the group stage is over, I'm just happy that we are where we are right now on the eve of the knockout rounds. This is the meat of the competition. This is what we came for. I think if there's one thing we've learned, man, it's just survive and get to survive in advance, get to the knockout stage. Because in, in the group stage, this World Cup, it just seemed like everything happened, and until you were through, you were on the edge of your seat. It's it's been a crazy crazy group stage. I mean, we've we've had so many surprises from defending champions Germany basically laying an egg in the Absolutely. tournament to Argentina needing a last minute bit of heroics from Marcos Rojo to Cristiano Ronaldo's stop. I mean, it's been an incredible group stage and oh. as sad as I am to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it. I am excited for the knockouts, and I mean, this is this is what we come, we we turn on the TVs to watch. This is what we want to see every single time the World Cup comes around. And as upsetting as it's going to be to see sixty-four teams in the World Cup, hopefully FIFA reverses that four years from now. But I don't think they will. Um, it, it's just one of those things you get so hyped up for it, even though there are, unfortunately, unless something changes, going to be sixty-four teams in Qatar four years from now. And one of the best things, you know, about this World Cup, just in general, has just been, you know, with aside from a couple games uh, that that Panama has been in, I mean, there's every almost every game has just been close and has been nail biting, and even the teams like the the Irans of the world uh, and the teams that you think wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really have you know much of a chance have have put up a tough fight. So no game has been easy, really. Yeah, and and with that said, I think it's a good good place to get started with kind of going through the groups um and just identifying maybe teams that we expected more from or players that we were really disappointed in um starting with group a uh I, I think you and i were pretty much not in agreement that well actually no i take that back uruguay was for both of us the consensus uh number one yeah but i personally didn't think russia was going to have what what it needed to advance um, but they they proved me wrong. And hey, when 
when I'm wrong, I, I will admit it. I'm not going to be someone who tries to, you know, mansplain why he's wrong this or that times. Egypt did not show up. Saudi Arabia don't have the quality to match Russia and Uruguay. And fair play to the hosts. They they did what they needed to and they advanced to the knockout rounds. So Do you play. think, Owen, do you think uh, one of the talking points we got to mention before we even talk about how great Russia was, was do you think do you think Egypt and Hector Kulper made a mistake by not putting in Mo Salah in the Uruguay game? Because that... I mean, credit to Uruguay, but that, that stoppage time goal in, in the first game really killed their chances. Yeah, the the tough thing is with, with Salah is you do you want him at less than 100% or do you only want him at 100%? And they were obviously in the, the latter stage, the latter uh, line of thinking. And it just didn't pay off for them, which it, it happens. I mean, that's one of those 50-50 chances you have to take and... Unfortunately, in football, it's one of those things where if you guess wrong, it can be really costly. And unfortunately for Egypt, they just guess wrong. I personally don't have any problems with the decision, not just because I'm a Liverpool fan. I want Salah at 100% come the beginning of the Premier League <laughs> season, which we yep. will do another podcast for probably late July sure. um, with some special guests to be announced. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where I'd rather have someone personally at 100% rather than have them not at all, uh, at least in this situation. Because you know... You're probably going to lose to your. I mean, that's not to be super negative, but you're probably going to mm-hmm. lose to Uruguay because there's just such a talented right. team in the attacking sense. But at the same time, you felt like you could have get you could have gotten something from Russia and you could have gotten something from South from Saudi Arabia, and that just wasn't the case for Egypt well, this time around. Well, let me ask you if you're if you're the Egyptian coach, okay? Do you in that game you know you know a draw um, is going to help you, and and not even even if you don't put in Mosala in the game, you got to figure with all the firepower that you're now i know it was uh Jimenez, the center back that actually scored the goal in that game but if you're with all the attacking prowess uruguay has i mean do you think egypt played it do you think they should have been maybe a little bit more attacking it, just to put some pressure on uruguay because you know if they not keep knocking on the door throughout the game that eventually it's hard to withstand and get a clean sheet after 90 minutes against that team well to me it's also one of those things where you have to show another team the utmost respect by uh, parking the bus, if you will. And I'm going to talk about this a little later on when we get to Germany. But for me, it's one of those things where you have to respect the talents of a Cavani and a Suarez when you play Uruguay. And you can't afford to maybe send one or two more players forward because if you get caught on the counterattack, it could be three or four goals in the span of five minutes. Maybe not not five minutes, but you you get what I'm saying. You you can't kind of break out of that defensive shape if you are going to play a team with that much attacking talent. So it's very much a balancing act, and unfortunately, sometimes it, it, it becomes a, a coin flip as to whether or not you actually get it right. And and for me, it's it's unlucky they didn't get it right, but ultimately, they were so reliant on one player to carry them forward, uh, Egypt right. were. And, and, you know, ultimately, it, and for me as well, I, I definitely underestimated Russia. Uh, I, I didn't think they were yes. going to be as, as good as they were on both sides of the ball, and of course, having the, the home crowd behind you really helped. Uh, but fair play to Russia. They they played well this tournament, and they really they really went for it. For for sure. And, and just on the subject of Russia, I mean, I'm really impressed with their with their attacking play. Um, two of the best players so far in this tournament have been uh, Golovin and and Denis Cheryshev. Um, Cheryshev didn't even start the first game, but he comes off the bench. If you kind of remember back to the very opening game, uh, the crowd's nervous. Russia for uh, the first 30 minutes can't break through. Cherishev comes on, he changes the game. He had three goals in for the team in three games. 
And Golovin, in the first game, he had two goals and one assist. One of the most promising young players. I think he's 22 or 23. Um, they also have the big, tall forward. And they were able to do all of this without Zagoya, their best player, who goes out. He gets injured for the whole tournament in the first game. And so, I mean, what, what was the most impressive thing for you, Russia? For I mean, for you, Owen, about Russia. For me, it was just all the the attacking talent that they brought scoring eight goals in the first two games. It really was just the collective effort they put together. I mean, you wouldn't think of a, a team like Russia to put together the the performances they did. Uh, you know, Uruguay, obviously a very tough team, but Egypt and Saudi Arabia as well kind of collected the points where they needed to, mm-hmm. uh, especially given their performance four years ago. I mean, now obviously four years is a long time. You can kind of go through a lot. But it, it just impressed me the way they were able to come out with that composure and the ability to not only score a lot of goals but take chances when they came. Uh, and fair play to them. They're on to the knockout rounds. Absolutely. Uh, and so, I want to keep us moving. Um, yeah, just your last sure. thought on Group A. Well, I'm curious your last thought on for, – for my last thought, my last thought is that I like – I really liked what I saw from Uruguay in the last game because they're – we can talk about Suarez and Cavani all day long, but their, their defense – um, was very impressive. Jimenez and Goudin back there, um, they didn't allow a goal in the group stage. So um, watch out for Uruguay in the knockout rounds yeah, because their defense put together. Definitely a solid team on the defensive side of the ball. We don't usually talk about South American teams with their, their solid yep. defenses, but obviously Godin and Jimenez showing up in this World Cup has been huge yep. for them so far. Um I mean, basically, my last thought is they're they're not to be underestimated, but I just personally don't think that it's going to be one of these two teams making a lot of noise in the knockout rounds. Uh, maybe a little bit, but they. I mean, this is a pretty tough side of the bracket when you look at Argentina, Croatia, France, Denmark, Spain, Portugal, and and Russia and Europe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole draw we'll get to later is lopsided, but it's uh, yeah. a segue into Group B, Owen. Uh, I guess we. I had thought I was a little bit wrong. Well, I, even though I predicted Portugal, I, I thought Morocco was going to give a better chance. But uh, what, what did you see from uh, Spain and Portugal uh, in Group B? In I top- was very, very disappointed by both teams. Mostly okay. Spain, um, just given the the hype and the allure of a Spanish team. This you know very possession-based, tiki-taka, mm-hmm. slow build-up um, you know, hit you in an instant kind of Spanish team. I was very disappointed by this by by not only what they did going forward, being so reliant on on opponents' mistakes, but also what they didn't have defensively. PK and Ra- yep. PK number one should have been sent off. They looked disconnected. Last game. They looked PK and Ramos looked disconnected. And and just because they they also play two stylistically very different styles. Obviously, PK with this more kind of beautiful game with Barcelona mm-hmm. and the Ramos right. with the do what, it ha- do what you have to do to win, you're going to have that disconnect. And Spain were just so underwhelming for me personally. And then in the first game, you know, like uh, De Gea and Nacho just gift Portugal Gea, two easy goals. That is the shocker of the tournament to me still to this day. Right. I mean, it, we're going to talk about – I'm going to talk about Germany extensively a little later on in the show. But De Gea making that kind of mistake – I mean, when you Absolutely. when you get put in the same sentence as 2018 Loris Carius, I mean, yep. sorry, summer 2015 Loris Carius, as in basically Champions League until now, which is basically just Champions League for Carius because that's the only game he's ever played yep. since then. It's not a good thing because, you know, at least with Carius on Bale's goal, 
the ball was kind of swerving in the air, and it was also 2-1 Madrid at the time, so it wasn't right. the defining blow. It was a dagger, sure. It, it, it meant a lot. And, and but it, no, wasn't, and, yeah. it wasn't as close of a game as the Spain-Portugal game, and it was just a huge mistake on De Gea's and, part. And nobody views Karius as one of the best goalies in the world. Exactly. Like I mean, De, Gea. De Gea right now is, I mean, he's still, for me, the best goalkeeper in the world on form. Neuer just hasn't played as much. And right. I don't think there's, there's Hardly any, at all. anything outside uh, when you consider the complete package for a goalkeeper that really comes close to, to De Gea. For sure. And to give you some I mean, I, yes, I think that Spain showed real, was really leaky in defense. Um, but really quickly, too, um, I'm very concerned about uh, if I were Hierro for Spain, um, I, I, would, I want to make some change. I would make some lineup changes on the next game, particularly from their attack. Um, last game, uh, against Morocco, they they played a four three three, with their their center midfielders being um, Thiago Busquets and Iniesta, and then up top they had Costa and then David Silva and Isco. That that's five center midfielders. I, I would put in a guy like um, we saw Diego Costa being effective. He just a guy who can play in the air more direct. Put in Marcus Asensio or just Rodrigo or someone that's just more direct can give you width and mix it up because they just look too predictable on offense at times too. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there's an element of Spain right now that it's kind of they're in between two minds and they need to be able to get away from, it sounds weird, but they need to be able to get away from what they do so well and have that other element to really switch it up in case you play a team that is going to pack it in defensively. Because we've just seen that teams that have packed it in defensively against possession-based teams like Spain have done very well. And it's, it's, I'm surprised not more, that more teams aren't doing it, but I I agree. It's football, anything can happen. So summation with Spain, are you more worried about their offense or their defense? Uh, for me, it's more their defense. You know the goals are going to come. You know they're going to they're going to come. They're going to come from Diego Costa. They're going to come from Isco and David Silva. Mm-hmm. And Iniesta is going to create them. And Busquets is going to sit in front of the back four. Mm-hmm. I think he's overrated, but that's another issue entirely. Yep. Um, I'm not worried about Spain scoring goals. I'm worried about Spain defensively and leaking goals. And it's this is a problem that I think that's gone back to. 2014 in Brazil where again the Netherlands scored five against them but it's just it's just one of those things where I wouldn't be all that convinced if I was Spain if I was Absolutely. if I was a Spanish fan right now like some of my co- like three of my cousins I would be I'd be pretty nervous about their next matchup absolutely absolutely so what did you see from what did you see from Portugal Portugal uh, the- I saw Cristiano Ronaldo and company being carried by Cristiano Ronaldo that's exactly what I saw, and it's. I don't think it's anyone's surprise to see him show up in the biggest game against Spain with just an unbelievable performance. Um, the mm-hmm. penalty, in my opinion, was a little soft, but nowadays that's that's going to be a penalty. Um, the free kick was a work of art, and his goal should have been saved by De Gea. We've talked about that before. It, Ronaldo showed up when his team needed him and unfortunately his team didn't show up in in the way that they needed to i will say though Quaresma scoring with the outside of the foot was one of my top three goals of the knockout so absolutely far. the other one of my other goals in the top three ironically was the goal that nacho scored against portugal oh um, great uh, goal from after outside the box yeah. just an absolute belter in what the a, second game of the tournament, kind of the highlight of that first uh, that first match day. Fantastic. Coutinho had a really nice goal, too. Yeah, Coutinho up there as well. I mean, that's that's the kind of goal that Coutinho's going to score. He's not going to score your kind of, you know, slick one-two, uh, tap it in the back of the net with an open goal kind of. Right. You know, he's not going to score those. He's going to score your 20, 25-yard 
bend it from from the edge of the 18 from from way out into the top corner that's that's mm-hmm. a Coutinho special absolutely no so but back, so for back me, to Portugal um so were you impressed with them were you is that not, what you expected or you were I, I, it was kind of where I expected them to be um, I think I had this exact order at least top two in the group with pretty much just Ronaldo and and company behind Spain and it was I I can't see I can't see any way forward for for Portugal. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, one thing. Well, let me ask you this though. Well, for, first of all, uh, you mentioned Ronaldo. I should, I should throw in there quickly. Um, Ronaldo needs help. Uh, other than Cresmo, he scored every goal. He scored four out of the five goals. Um, and he he needs some offensive help. Particularly, he needs the two Silvas. He needs Andre Silva from Milan, who scored nine goals in qualifying to step up. He he's only, he had a really bad season in Serie A, but. He's their second best forward on the team. And Bernardo Silva's the most creative player on the team. But they really didn't give Ronaldo any help in the group stage. But let me ask you this, Owen. Um, you mentioned in the preview podcast that Portugal has has this swagger about them. And for me, one thing I noticed was just, you know, in the Spain game, you think when they're when they're up down three to two, they're gonna lose the game. They come in the tie. Uh, against Portu- against Morocco, Morocco's on the front foot the whole game, but somehow Portugal ekes out a one zero win. Against Iran, they they get a little lucky at the end, but they hold on for a one one draw. There seems to be some kind of invincibility about them going against back to the Euros where where they just kind of have a combination of luck and confidence on their side that's hard to beat. Yeah, I think it's it's also one of those things where it's it's kind of when this confidence turns into cockiness where you have a team that knows how good they are when they're all playing well. The issue is they're not always playing that well and you right. get situations like the one like the game against Morocco where they're basically at stalemate all game and they somehow eke out a 1-0 win like right. you said. And, so and there's a lot going into it for Portugal. Sure. And, and they, their defense has to be more solid. They look leaky at, at times too. Um, Absolutely. The good thing I will say about Group B is, at least for you and me, as, as far as the show is concerned, uh, we got it right. It's, the one and two, we got Spain <laughs> Portugal in that order. So, well, one of the few. I was just, if we could have shown a picture of our paper and just ripped it up, because yeah. man, everything. Oh, I ripped my my bracket up right after the Germany game, so that's sure. that's something else entirely. So, uh, moving on to to Group C, Owen. Uh, what are your what are your impression? What are, what are your impressions about France? Um. My big thing with France is they, again, underwhelming. I mean, they and Denmark played probably the worst game of the tournament. Neither team had any idea or any desire to to go and win the game. They both knew Mm -hmm. they were advanced, so that's, I mean, I guess it's fair play to them. But at the same time, you're on the world stage. This is your chance. If you're a player who is either thinking about moving clubs or you have a thought that maybe you want to change the scenery, this is your chance to prove your worth. And yeah. nobody, and I mean nobody, in that France-Denmark game took their opportunities. None. And it's it's disheartening to see that because you want this to be, you know, you want players to be at their best. You want to showcase your skills for the world, and they just did not have that. I was, uh, in that particular France-Denmark game, I wasn't disappointed with Denmark. Um, they play a pretty compact defensive game, and then you would draw what would get them through to the next round. I was, I was just disappointed with France because, like you said, coming into the World Cup, I didn't know anything about France, and I still don't know anything because they didn't play a full 90 minutes. They squeaked by in their first two games, um, and we don't know what we're going to get from them in, in the round of 16. Now, now's the time for them to wake up. Yeah. Um, the good thing, though, for France, though, 
is they're solid in the back. So, uh, but let me ask you, Owen, um, what do you think is the situation with their attack? Do you think it's the situation where guys like Griezmann or Giroud just have to play better and Mbappe, or do you think it's a situation where maybe they can make a change, or is it a stylistic problem in the midfield? What's your opinion on that? I think for them is is they're stuck in between two minds of what they want to do. That their personnel decisions are pretty straightforward to say the least. You have kind of a target man center forward in Giroud with mm-hmm. kind of your creative number tens underneath him. You have your Dembele's, your Mbappe's, your Griezmann's, and they're the ones who are going to be kind of playing off Giroud winning headers and, and holding up play in in kind of the middle of the park, kind of towards the opposition's eighteen. But it, we just we just didn't see a lot of combination plays, a lot of one-twos, France players being on the same page. And that's something that they really need to do to be successful because they have so many players that are so talented in front of goal with their ball at the feet and creating chances out of pretty much nothing. But we didn't yep. see any of that in, no, we did not. in their first two games, their first three games. Now, obviously, playing against Australia, Peru, and Denmark, you know, you maybe say that some players raise their game when the opposition has raised their game as well. But I just didn't see enough from from France to really say that you know this team is going to go on and win the World Cup. Now that necessar- that wasn't necessarily the case with Germany four years ago, and they ended up mm-hmm. marching their way to the World Cup in, in pretty convincing fashion. Albeit the Argentina final was a, a, a pretty close World Cup final, right? Uh, as far as those go. But again, I, I just don't think I saw enough from France to really be convinced by them. And I know my brother and his friends, um, big Arsenal fans, big Giroud fans will will maybe say otherwise. But I, I really just didn't see enough of, of a France team that was here to prove everyone wrong and make up for their, their mistakes uh, two years ago when they hosted the Euros and, and really go forward and, and win this thing. I just didn't see that. Oh, no, I didn't either. I didn't either, Owen. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, did you like what you, what you saw from Denmark? Uh, from Denmark, it was kind of the, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing too flashy. Just kind of, you know, get the job done. Be a good fact defensively. Don't concede goals. Get a couple when you can. Christian Eriksen, obviously one of the better players, one of the more technically skilled players mm-hmm. on the team, really showing up when he needed to. Um, Pulsen, the striker for RB Leipzig. Right, also very doing- good player doing his fair share and then chipping in uh you know all around solid but i just don't think they have they have what it would take to to make some noise in in the knockouts so i okay. unfortunately I, think their world cup's going to come to an end uh in the in the round of 16 that's fine i i personally think that um you know just to mention it briefly um i i think denmark's a team that nobody is talking about and i'm not saying that they're going to go to the semifinals or anything but i think this is a, a team that's that's maybe the most underrated team in the tournament like i said they, they had a, a nine game unbeaten streak uh at the end of qualifying looked very good in friendlies and then uh were undefeated in the group and this is a team that you know you're going to get like very solid from the back you got the the sevilla center back you also got christensen um and then they between um sisto and Paulson and Erickson in the midfield, you have just enough creativity to nick a goal or two um, with that solid defense. And like I said, this is a team that's playing, uh, they haven't lost a lot. They're very confident. Um, and I think Croatia is a good matchup for them. I think it's a team that uh, you, you definitely can't sleep on. Yeah, no, I'd agree. You can't really sleep on them, but you look at the teams they're going to be playing in the next round, uh, namely Croatia, who, you know, it's right. a good segue into the next group, Group D. They sure. were in my opinion, one of the top 
teams of the group stage. Um, I'll get to who my top team was in the group stage a little later, but Croatia really made up for what I thought was a very disappointing Euro 2016 a couple years ago, um, deploying Luka Modric in that kind of number 10 where he needs to be on the ball, more towards the towards the 18-yard box, on the yep. ball as much as possible, creating chances, dictating play, doing what Luka Modric does best. Mm-hmm. So for me, he was the whole reason that Croatia ticked, obviously chipping in a goal here or there. Um, yep. He was one of my one of my players of the round of sixteen, but not the player, just because the competition didn't seem to show up around him as much. Which you know, in, in contrast to a, a you know who I thought was a player of the group stage, I'll get to you a little later. Um, but I just I just thought Croatia were very very solid, and I think they're going to make a, a solid run in the knockouts. Well, Owen, I think you were absolutely right when you talked about us in the preview about Modric and you getting closer to the box. I, there was a great play in the Iceland game that illustrated that. And I think it's just when you look at all the attacking talent they have with Kramaric and Rebic and uh, Perisic and Modric and Rakitic, at the end of the day, Modric is the one making the plays. And, and to be honest with you, I think we really saw it in the last two games. In the first game, I really wasn't impressed with Croatia. They just they got two lucky goals, I think, against Nigeria. And um, they didn't all look all that dangerous, but... I think you're right. I think Modric really carried that team, and, and they look very dangerous. Yeah, no, I'm tipping them to to make a run certainly towards the towards the end of this tournament. So, uh, and you might be yeah. surprised with where where they end up, at least in my bracket. Okay, I'm curious, man. What did you think of um, What did you think of the other three teams in the group? I think Argentina, Nigeria, and Iceland all had some interesting talking points. We could actually write a book on how disappointing Argentina were this tournament. Um, oh my god! Just squeaking by in the last match day into the knockouts was probably one of the funniest things ever. When you look at who plays on that team and and the kind of players they have, obviously Messi sure. is the elephant in the room. You know, even though he's like five five, but it, it's just a it, it's so much of a wonder why he didn't, you know, why this team did not do better than they did. Well, I gotta and ask you: is is it for you? Is it more the players, or the coach, or yes, both? It's both. It's the play. It's some probably not not selecting the right squad, and it's the players not showing up when they need to. You know what you're gonna get from Messi. Messi wants. You can see it when he is trying to carry the ball towards the 18 yard box he's trying to combine with his teammates his teammates don't look interested in in one twos and combination plays and little flicks here and there they don't look interested Messi is the one who creates all this and that's the reason that he does so well for Barcelona because he is the engine that really makes them tick he's that number 10 both literally and figuratively who really makes that team tick he tries to do the same for Argentina but you look at players like Aguero players like Di Maria and like Dybala who didn't play Mm -hmm. basically at all yeah Messi wants them to contribute. He wants them to get involved. He's trying to play balls in defeat to get these little 1-2 started. And players just aren't responding in the same way as as Messi's teammates does they do at Barcelona. They're not. And so for me, it's a combination of the tactics and the manager trying to get players to get behind him, get behind that one figure. And it, it's, it, it's a miracle they squeak by, in my opinion. I will say, though, I am, I am pretty, pretty heartbroken for Iceland. Um, yes, especially given what they did for you uh, a couple years ago at the Euros, really taking everyone by storm and, and knocking England out sure. of the uh, of the Euros. But to, to, to me, though, I mean that draw against Argentina will still go down in history for them. Yeah, you know the the penalty save on Messi is that's something that their keeper Holidorsen is going to have with him forever. 
But, you don't always save a penalty for Matt. I mean, it wasn't a great penalty. Oh, that was incredible. Just, just guessing just, the right way. Is, yep. It was great. And so for you, Owen, what was the biggest issue with, with Sam Puelli's coaching? You know, for me, the 3 4 1 2 formation got totally wrong. Not only was Messi kind of having, could have been closer to the goal, but, um, you know, their wing backs were just, there was so much space on the wings. Their midfield uh, didn't pressure at all. Uh, the combination, Aguero kept kind of dropping into the same space. Uh, they, they put in Enzo Perez, who didn't play at all, basically in qualifying, while sitting, you know, Di Maria and Benega and uh, Rojo. And for me, I don't know, man. I, that's got to be, like, if Argentina didn't get through that game, it's got to be one of the worst coaching games I've seen in a long time. I think the big thing with, with Sampaoli, with me, was is is understanding what the team needed and what they had. We talked about this extensively over text in the last couple of weeks. We know Argentina have probably the best group of attacking players in this entire tournament. And, and I, will, right. I will probably stand by that. I mean, outside of maybe, maybe Portugal, maybe Spain, I think they have the best group of attacking players of anyone. Brazil as well, maybe France. But just understanding what they what they have and what they need, and what they need was more structured defensively. They need that really rock solid backline who is going to deliver when they can. The issue is Argentina have this culture of, and, and this is the same for most South American countries, not to generalize, but they want to get forward, they want to attack, they want to they score do. goals, they want to be the Maradonas, they want to be the Messi's. No one wants to be the the big strong center back who just who breaks up every play or the center defensive mid who's mm-hmm. there clogging every single passing lane. Everyone wants to score the goals. And so they they have this idea where, you know, if you get forward and you attack, that's going to be your best form of defense. And that just didn't work out for Argentina. Not and at so all. They, for me, they needed a structure. And I specifically talked about a 4-4-2, kind of your standard mm-hmm. two banks of four, being very organized, having Messi and Aguero up top with uh, ample width from your wide midfielders, but your fullbacks kind of staying put where they are. It just didn't seem like they had much of that, and the the reason they were able to squeak by, I think, is is mostly just on the backs of of Messi doing what he does best and and a bit of good fortune at the end of the game. You were dead right with the four four two formation, man. That that really made a huge difference. For you, real quick, do you put do you start Aguero or Iguain? I know Iguain. Aguero, not even close. I mean, it, on, yeah. on his bad days, Aguero is not even close to what Iguain is on his bad days. And yep. really, when you're Argentina, you want to maximize your your good days and you want to minimize your bad days. I mean, that's kind of the same for everything. But Iguain is just one of those players who, in the biggest moments, he really just does not produce. And you thought that he had another one in the Nigeria game. You remember he missed that chance right in front of the goal? Uh, somebody crossed it and he just fluffed it. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he fluffs his lines more than you would expect a top striker in the world. And and. It's just a wonder how he ever gets called up to the national team again. If I was if I was an Argentinian fan, he's the one player I want nowhere near my team. Nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I agree. I mean, he he provided a good hold up play and defensive pressure, but uh, at the end of the day, you got to have four or two who score goals, and you just um, he was he had trouble. So, were you overall? Were are you more optimistic about them or pessimistic? going into the next round if i was an argentina fan i'd be very worried about the knockout rounds i mean yes you made it in in kind of last chance fashion but you have got to go through 
a hell of a lot harder to to make a run at winning a World Cup and, and getting Messi that one trophy he really needs to, in in a lot of people's minds, cement himself as the the greatest player to ever play the game. For sure. I don't know and if we're going to settle that debate, but... For sure. And I really quickly want to just mention this a little bit about Nigeria. I just want to say on the method of coaching, I was really disappointed with the lineup they put out in the first game. Um, when uh, the, the best formation for them definitely was um, the the three five two, and uh, with when you have and in the first game when you played a four two three one there were several problems. Uh, Jonathan Mikel was way out of position um, when particularly against a team like Croatia you got to win the midfield and Jonathan Mikel and Ndidi together are really disruptive in the midfield. So I couldn't believe they played him out of position. Um, they played Victor Moses where um, he was much better suited as a wing back. And it, it helped them a lot in the next two games. Uh, they didn't play uh, Iannaccio and Ahmed Musa, who I think are two good players, and with their pace caused problems. So I was just very, real quick, I, I thought that Nigeria um, is a really good team. And I think that in part because of their tactics, I think that they, they didn't advance. Yeah, so. I, I definitely agree with you. I thought Musa's uh, substitution in, in a couple of those games was, was pretty mind boggling. Uh, just because he can't at any point really change the game. Yep. And it was kind of disappointing from a Nigeria perspective to see that happen. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're not coaches, we're not managers, we're not paid to make those, those decisions. That's right. So, it's know, easy in hindsight. Exactly, yeah, it's one of those things. But I do agree with a lot, with pretty much everything you're saying about Nigeria. There's there's just a lot of, of, of what-ifs that are going to leave them. And it, it would have been the same for Argentina should they, should they have missed yep. out qualifying. Like Absolutely. Game. Absolutely. On to Group E. So uh, not to kind of jump ahead, yeah, but of course. it's it's honestly no real surprises for me. I mean, Serbia. No real surprise. Oh, group, oh, sorry. Group yeah. E, yeah, with with a couple with a couple you know exceptions. I mean, Serbia with Kolarov wait, and wait, Matic. Wait, that's Group F, buddy. Group, group E is Group E is uh, uh Mexico Germany. Oh, oh, my fault. I had the groups wrong. It's all good. Uh, so on yeah, that, let's, let's talk about this group first. Sweden, Mexico, South Korea, Germany. So on that note, man, I'll let you start. I mean, I know you were eager to talk about Germany. So um, I'll, I'll wait until we're done, we're done wrapping okay. up the group stage to give Germany their own okay. little, their own okay. little That's fine. their post-mortem. Okay. Um, Sweden, along with Croatia, for me, were the two best teams of the group stage. And I'm not saying that because they, they both finished top of their group. I'm saying that because of, of what they what they showed us as far as who they played and what they did when they played those teams. Sweden will felt hard done by the Germany result. Uh, But at the same time, they shut down South Korea very pretty, pretty handily and they obliterated Mexico. Now it's, that's not to say they are head and shoulders, the best team in the competition. I'm just saying that in the group stage, they performed when it really mattered and that is is more important going into the knockouts than really I'd say anything else. Uh, it's oh, one yeah. of those things where they had a they had a path to the knockouts. If they I mean if they would have beaten Germany, they would have basically guaranteed going through, and Germany would have been knocked out. But obviously, Kroos scoring an absolute missile oh, changed yeah. things. But Sweden were still, for me, the way they organized themselves, the way they the way they took their chances, they played at the counterattack, the way they approached this turn, their their group, uh, and the way they executed 
was basically what Mexico had tried to do in the first game and succeeded, but couldn't do for the next two games. And I think Sweden is, as a result of that, in a much better position to make a run going into the knockout rounds than Mexico is. So, so follow-up in point, real quick. First of all, you were right. <laughs> this was actually Group F. But while we're on Group F, we might as well keep talking about it. Uh, yeah, Sweden was really, really impressive. Um, they, they're going to give anybody problems the way they play. And the, the most important thing to me was that the fact that they can play without, without possession, with a lot, without a lot of possession, you know? Um, yeah, and in cup competitions, it, teams that generally play without a lot of possession are the teams that are going to be more sustainable and, and make better runs in the competition. And their direct, their direct style of play, too, is something that, you know, a lot of the teams aren't accustomed to seeing. And Mexico had a really hard time dealing with it. So um, that's just going to be a tactical challenge that other teams have to face. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Mexico, for me, kind of went downhill as the group stage went on. Um, obviously, they if, if Germany would have nicked a goal against South Korea at the very end, then that would have been the end of Mexico. Uh, but they, they skimmed by even after losing 3-0 to Sweden. And honestly, I, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I just don't think they they really asserted themselves after beating Germany. And and yes, it's one result, but it's not going to define you as a group. I mean, they could have easily finished right. first in that group and avoided Brazil, but now they have to face Brazil. Well, to be fair to them, yes. They, they absolutely laid an egg. In the Sweden game, it was just a poor performance all around. But um, very rarely do point teams with six points not go through. So they definitely deserve to go through still on their own merit. Uh, and for me, I'm very um, optimistic, actually, about Mexico. I think they play a lot better uh, against teams when they can counter. And uh, their front four um, with Chicharito and Lozano and, um, and Vela and Layun. Um, they look really good, and they're going to have to get that defense sorted out. Uh, I think Moreno is going to get suspended, and uh, Edson Alvarez had a really bad game. But for me, I mean, oh, and I don't know. In their first two games, I thought they looked they looked fantastic. They were brilliant against Germany and very good against South Korea, I think. But their performances went downhill, in my opinion, as they got to the end of the group. Obviously, it's easy to say when you beat Germany in your first game and lose to Sweden in your third game. But it just didn't seem like they had the same level of intensity and and the work rate as as in the Germany game. Now, obviously, it's a huge game. It's against the reigning champions. You can kind of hype yourself up for that a little more. But I would have liked to see that to for them to really put out a statement to the rest of the competition. Like, hey, we are here to win this thing. We are not here to get knocked out in the round of 16 like we have in the last few World Cups. We are here to win. Uh, and I, I just didn't see that against, against Sweden. And... So often with teams limping kind of into the group stage as opposed to really charging into the group stage, sure. you know, momentum is is one of those things that you can't quantify, but you kind of know as someone who follows the game, it is there. It does exist. And, Absolutely. And I Absolutely. think Mexico is going to have a hard time against Brazil if they put together performances more like the ones against South Korea and Sweden. They'll be fine if they put in a Germany-like performance, but at the same time, when they played Germany, they had their fair share of luck too. Germany hit the post about three times in that game. That's true. And weren't able to create any chances. But again, we'll talk about Germany, and I will put aside plenty of time (laughs) to break apart what Germany did wrong in this tournament, as is so easy to do with any team who who fails to get it over the line. Excited to hear your thoughts, man. And and last thing for me in Group B, it's just funny that 
everyone criticized Juan Carlos Osorio to the nth degree about rotating squad. And in his 51st game as manager, the one time he makes no lineup changes uh, against Sweden, they just look tired. So yeah, I'm not saying that Sweden were definitely the better team. They deserved to win. But, uh, you know, out of any game, it just seemed like this game they, they needed maybe a, a couple new starters. Yeah, such as football, you know. Yep. So <laughs> that's why uh, we do these things. Okay, back to Group, group e. e. We we jumped ahead a little bit. Yep. Um, it's all good. Brazil, Switzerland. I don't think there was any big uh, disagreement for us there. I think that's what we both had in yep. the preview. Uh, Brazil did not look convincing at times, but they got the job done, which is ultimately what matters in cup competitions. And I think they're still my pick to win it. Um, just to spoil my bracket, they are still my pick to win it. I'm still going for a sixth World Cup for Brazil. It's more so what they showed in their game against Serbia when it didn't seem like they had their A game. They were still able to create chances and score goals. And that's what you really look for with teams in long competitions is what you do when your A stuff is not there. What did you do when your B stuff is not there? Mm -hmm. What did you do when your C stuff is not there? Uh, and Brazil their talent is just off the charts in terms of creating yeah. chances and scoring goals. It's off the charts. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's more defensively yeah. like it was four years ago with, than anything with Brazil. You like what you've seen from Neymar so far? Uh, no. Neymar has been disappointing, to say the least. He's been, he's been on the ground more than he has been on the pitch, which says more about him as a player than it does about mm -hmm. the, than anything. It's just the fact that he needs... He feels the need to have this fight with gravity and lose it constantly is just ridiculous. Like, dude, get off the ground. You are fine. Keep going. It's, sure. It's, I think, a mentality that he needs to get over. Um, he plays this kind of show buddy style, which is beautiful when it works, obviously. That's kind of the, the, the do or die with Brazil. It's beautiful when it works. It's, it's terrible when it fails. Uh, but he needs to learn to stay on his feet and play through a little bit of pain, in my He's personal opinion. He's got to find a way, too, to get closer to the box. You know, it's exhausting for him to have to drop deep, get the ball, or get on the wing and just have to go so far to get close to goal. Yeah, and, and I don't think that Brazil has really been tested on a level that you would that you know would really really push you to your limits. Um, I think they'll they'll still be tested uh, as we get to the early mm -hmm. stages of these knockouts, but at the same time, it is Brazil. It, they they do just find a way sometimes uh, when it's not there with this this kind of samba football this this beautiful passing it's the one touch it's playing at the back it's it's you know you name it Brazil know how to right. do it with the ball not quite Joga Benito but close yeah but it's it's getting there how 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 concerned are you about um, Mar Marcelo limped off in that game early in the game and uh, who knows what his status is going to be but uh, if he doesn't play. Uh, I think that's a big loss for Brazil, uh, considering the way Mexico counterattacks. It is, but at the same time, I think you you would more want a player like Felipe Luis, who's better defensively than he is going forward, to counter a, a team like Mexico, who's very good on the counterattack. Because when you have a player sure. who's who's more likely to track back, then you're gonna you know what you're gonna get out of him, as opposed to what you're gonna get out of Marcelo, who's a lot going forward, not as much the other way. So I I think in a way it's gonna it might help Brazil. As far as dealing with the Mexican counterattack, we'll see. That that's true. Uh, it's that'll be, be probably be my, my game to watch of of the the round of sixteen. Is oh, Brazil I'm so game. excited. Um, also, also got to get more out of Gabriel Jesus. He really hasn't shown up in the he, tournament. 
I think personally that it, it might have something to do with with playing in England and playing under Guardiola, who plays a who coaches a very demanding style physically. Uh, <laughs> you see teams that press, obviously your Liverpool's, your Tottenham's, your Cities, but teams that press like Guardiola's teams do. I mean, you have to be sprinting all game, and and mm-hmm. I think that that took a toll on Jesus. Obviously, he missed a, a chunk of time here and there, but it, it's going to be. It'll be interesting to watch for sure to see how he kind of handles this, not only the pressure, but the just fatigue of a long tournament. Absolutely, man, like you mentioned. But they've got Firmino. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Obviously, uh, Fabio Firmino off the bench uh, plays for this uh, this one club that plays in the northwest of England. Uh, what is it? Liver- Liver- Liverpool? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Now, uh, we should mention quickly, Owen, um, we were texting back and forth about this, but, um, you know... Serbia in that game, when they lost to Switzerland at the end of the game, um, and Ivanovic tries to play the offside trap, and he lets Shakiri beat him, and then instead of getting back or even fouling him, he lets Shakiri place in the back of the net. I just want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, was Ser- was Serbia too aggressive going for the win there? Uh, no, we talked about this earlier like you said and i'm completely fine with that decision it's one of those again those 50 50 chances in football that sometimes it doesn't go your way um it, but it, you have to take it sometimes you sometimes can't take it that seriously because if you play for a draw and you both get a draw you could end up still missing because you might end, lose three nil the next day so you, you can't really afford to think too far in the future when you're in that situation and i i think it's it's personally fine it definitely didn't work out in their favor but i think i mean yeah, it, 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 his decision not to take down Shakiri and take a red card to prevent a clear goal was the right call because if he if he takes a red card there, then he not only misses the next game but he has a possibility sure. of them being out of the tournament by the time he gets back from that red card. That's so it's one of those things you have to balance those two. I mean, I guess just from maybe you can argue about the red card or not, but more than anything, I mean, I just think from a, a experienced player like Ivanovic, that's a huge blunder at the end of the game just let him just just stay behind him be conservative back up let the let your defenders get back uh don't gamble bite there because uh that definitely spoiled their chances yeah um, but I, I personally think they they were always kind of on the lower end of this group to begin with so sure it's it's not to discredit what these players have uh technically or what they what they know how to do what they're good at it's more just what's against them and i think switzerland and brazil just head and shoulders above them and and for me no question they were the the better team the better two teams from this group absolutely Um, group g is a really easy one for us to go through i think we both said belgium england it ended up one two belgium england england will get to play colombia belgium uh japan who we'll get to in a second but it (sighs) I don't know about you, but today's game was disappointing to say the least, given what these two teams have. It just seemed, didn't seem like Belgium had anything going forward with their reserves. England, kind of the same thing, maybe a little more with Jamie Vardy leading the press for the three Lions, but ultimately things worked out for, for Belgium, winning the group. Yanezai scored an absolute screamer. Absolutely. Uh, really solid goal for him today, uh, but it's, I don't know. Playing against gotta, teams like Tunisia and Panama, you're not going to learn a whole lot about yourself, to be honest. If you're, we got to ask the question though. Here, do you think that both managers um, had an eye on losing the game? Uh, I, I want to say my public answer is no, but really privately, I'd say 
they they may have wanted to avoid that side of the bracket just because of of who who is waiting for you uh, should you win the group uh, but you know who knows it's it's one of those things where even if you play Colombia um you might still have to or if you play Japan you're going to have to play someone bigger. I mean, it's just one of those things where you never know what you're going to get. So you, you kind of just hope for the best and, and you, you know, you always want to win your group, but it just, it just happens that way sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely though. But, um, I'm curious Owen. I mean, I guess we can get into some knockout too, but, uh, what do you think about England's ta- tactics? I mean, I think there's some line, there's an over-reliance on Harry Kane, but also a couple lineup changes. You, you always mentioned, you don't think Sterling should be in the start? I happen to agree with you. I, I'm hoping Garrett Southgate will make some changes in the next round. Yeah, with with England, it's a really tough one because it, you know, you know what you have from certain players, but with others, you really don't. With Raheem Sterling, you know you have a lot of pace, but I don't know how many sitters he missed for City this year. He just plays in a in a style that suits him better mm-hmm. as opposed to him adapting to the style the manager brings and that's what you have to do on the world cup stage because it, when you're playing for your country you don't have time to to really to really mold yourself into what the team needs you just kind of have to go there and hope that you can fit into that system and raheem sterling is one example but i, I you know i don't think there's an overlance on harry kane i think when you have a player who is as as prolific a scorer as he is or as good of an all-around player as harry kane is as a number nine, you have to kind of latch onto that. It's like it'd be like Argentina not latching onto Messi or Portugal not latching onto Ronaldo. It's kind of the same train of thought. Um, I'm not saying I'm not comparing them in any way. It's just that kind of mm-hmm. idea where you have a kind of main man, you have a target man, you have this, you have the guy, and you want to be like the guy. It's kind of like almost like Colombia with James Rodriguez. Although we'll get to James in a little bit. Yep. Hopefully, he'll be able to play as we get into the uh, uh, the knockout rounds, but it's not looking great for him from the latest news that at least I've read. It isn't, man. But, uh, yeah, to sum it up, I mean, honestly, uh, we we picked them one and two, uh, no surprise. But overall, I mean, I just really was not impressed with England. I, I know they blew out Panama, but uh, Tunisia, they just scraped by England with a late goal. Um, second half were just... Tunisia outplayed them in the second half for the most part. And uh, if England ties that game, the whole bracket is different, potentially. Yeah, I, so, I, I was not blown away by England. But, I, you know, you kind of expected this is what was going to happen should everything go to plan for, for England and, and Belgium. And thankfully for them, yep. it did. And now we get to go on to uh, the final group of the of yep. the, the eight. Colombia, Japan advancing. Yep. Over your team, your dark horse pick Senegal and Poland, who I thought were very disappointing. Yeah, well, what was the most disappointing part to you on about Poland? I, I think just the collective, just just what what I saw from the entire team. Um, yep, Piotr Zielinski ineffective. Blaszczykowski, he's getting older, but he's still ineffective. Lewandowski, basically nowhere to be seen. Uh, their back line. Starting with uh, Milik, no Glick, which is a knock is a huge blow for Poland. But just from top to bottom, it didn't seem like they could even come close to replicating what they did four years ago, which is they looked very promising, but obviously weren't able to take it as far as maybe they wanted. I, I just gotta gotta be honest though. I, I mean, maybe uh, us included. I think we maybe overestimated Poland. I mean, like you you mentioned, um, you know, obviously it didn't help not having Milik in the second game, but. 
players like, you know, Lewandowski and Blazikowski. Uh, Lewandowski just out of form at the end of the year. Blazikowski didn't play much, um, you know, in the Bundesliga either. So, uh, I, particularly for a team like Poland that is very reliant on Lewandowski, like, what can we expect if he's out of form, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just one of those things where I just expected a little more out of them. I mean, I wasn't super surprised. It was more just disappointment to see them kind of flounder the way that they did. However, all credit to Colombia in the Colombia-Poland yep. game for absolutely taking it to James Rodriguez, who I thought was hot takes only, the player of the tournament um, in the group stage. Um, not just because of what he did in the one game he did play, but when he was on the pitch, he was in fact he was Colombia's best player. He was the man for Colombia again, as he was four years ago. But with James, it was one of those things where you you knew what was coming. You knew you were going to get creativity on the ball. You knew we were going to get great passes on the ball, but mm-hmm. you didn't. You still could not stop them when they were coming. I mean, the pass that take out the entire Polish defense all at once to feed in for Colombia's second goal was just absolutely. It was bonkers. I mean, I, I can't even, I can't even see that. If I'm watching it three times a replay, he sees it in real time when he's down on the pitch. So that's just a testament to how good of a player he is. He he's incredible, man. And I mean, well, first of all, how big, how concerned are you about him coming off the field today? Because very, very, yeah. very, very concerned. If yeah. I'm Colombia, I am, I am not, um, your teeth. not feeling great. And how Hamas could be hurt for the first game. And how impressed are you with the with their resiliency? I mean, losing the first game in the fashion they did, you know, just uh, with the Carlos Sanchez making a, a stupid handball, and then you know them coming back, and then just Japan squeaking it out. You know, that, to come back from that game says a lot. I think it says a lot about Peckerman as a coach, who's able to kind of rally the troops in the way that he did. Um, I think he's a he's a great international coach for what he's do. You know, obviously the coaches at the at the national team level don't spend as much time with their players as club coaches, yeah. so they have to really make the most of that time. And I think he's done a fantastic job, really getting those players to buy into what they're doing and and to sure. put out the right team and get them to to yeah. really perform their potential. And obviously, it wasn't always pretty for Colombia, but they got the job done at the end. So, uh, well played. To me, to me, clearly. And just to round up what them in Senegal, to me, today said everything. The Colombia-Senegal game today said everything that you need to know about the group in the sense that I think Senegal played the best of any team in the group. I think they were really scary going forward. Um, but at the end of the day, what cost them were just you got to play a full 90 minutes and you got to play defensive lapses. Um, even if you control the game, you blew, you blow two leads against Japan and then you're on the front foot for the whole first half of the game. And uh, in the second half, the game's pretty even, and then you allow a goal in the set piece. Uh, whereas Colombia withstood a lot of pressure, like they said, and they, and they capitalized today. Um, so there is something to be said about just surviving and um, going through. And to me, the fact that Colombia can not only win an open 3-0 game against Poland, but a one uh, grind out a 1-0 win against Senegal told me a lot about their chances going forward. Yeah. No, I, I, I think Senegal will definitely feel hard done by the fair play rule, but at the end of the day, yeah. um, every team has the same chances, the yep. same 90 minutes to go forward and create chances and score goals and defend goals, um, but ultimately just couldn't get it done. Absolutely. Uh, really quickly, yep. I want to go through some superlatives before we get to Germany and then going through our kind of thoughts for mm-hmm. the knockout and really getting into everything. Um, 
we've already talked about this briefly, but kind of disappointment at the tournament. Germany aside, I think it was Poland. Um, I think I, I, I personally expected a lot more from them. Um, the biggest surprise, definitely Japan to go through from that group. Obviously, it was a basically a, a, mm-hmm. a coin flip between them and Senegal. Uh, the difference between two more yellow cards for Senegal. Uh, but just the way that they, they showed the fight, especially when they tied the game against, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was against, it was the game where Honda scored to make it 2-2. Was oh, that, uh, Senegal. That was against Senegal, right. Yeah. That, twice, that game. coming from behind twice. Right. I think they showed a lot of resiliency, and they, they, they mm-hmm. showed what you need to get to that knockout round, is you can't show quit, you can't show, you have to show heart, yeah. show fight. I know these are, you know, things you can't really quantify, which drive some people in my family, namely my brother, just nuts. Uh, but it's just one of those things where you have to you have to kind of look yeah. at it in a, a more qualitative way. Um, so definitely they were, they were my team to, you know, that definitely surprised me. Now, I mentioned them a little earlier, but my team to watch mm-hmm. is Sweden. Yeah. The Giant Killers. The they are Ibrahimovic less giant killers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they weren't just the team to watch. I, I don't think I think they're going to make a run. Not quite as far as as maybe you would expect or as you would hope from a team that you know knocks out Germany and plays so well against Mexico. Um, but I think they're they're quietly putting together a very solid campaign, kind of akin to what Iceland did. Uh, two years ago at the Euros, um, very quietly playing a very organized style of football, a very tenacious style of football, and I don't think they're going to be a team to be underestimated. So I don't think I have them going very much further than the quarterfinals. I think that's where I have them ending. Yeah, but but they're they're going to be they're going to be a team to to be uh, to be reckoned with. Honestly, too, if you had to, if you're a neutral and you had to pick a kind of a Cinderella for it's got to be them. It's right? got to be them, yeah. I mean, you look at the group they were in, they were, weren't really given a chance to go through by, I guess, no. a lot of people. I don't think anybody had them. <laughs> but, you know, they, they did what they needed to do. Um, they were obviously felt hard done by the Germany game, um, just conceding that kind of just outrageous goal from Tony Kroos. At the end of the day, though, uh, a job well done by, by Sweden to win the group and um, keep an eye on them for, uh, during the knockouts. How good is Emil Forsberg, too? Oh, he's he's tur- quietly turning into one of the more solid attacking players in Europe, and and it's no wonder that, of course, you know Jurgen Klopp of all of all managers has him on his radar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know if Klopp wants you to play for his team, that you're you're doing something. You're good. Right. <laughs> so back to that group, Owen. Uh, you wanted to, is now the time to talk about Germany. Oh man, uh, how much time do you have to talk about Germany? Um, what do you want? <laughs> look. I grew up with a lot of German kids, and I know they're all going to be pretty disappointed with this result. But, um, you know, I promised we'd have our own little segment here to talk about Germany. Um, and that time has come. The disappointment is still kind of real for a lot of people. I mean, I know I was rooting for Germany just because of, of my connection to them kind of tangentially through some friends. I mean, the U.S. isn't involved, so it's not like I'm, like, you know, all in for yeah. Germany. But it's more just – it's one of those things where you have to – you have to wonder what went wrong as someone who you know would have definitely expected better. So, I want to start with the twenty-three man squad. That's where we're going to start with breaking down what went wrong for Germany. Contrary to what a lot of people are saying, a lot of people are saying that it's Leroy Sané being left off the squad that made a huge difference. 
I completely disagree with that. I don't think it has anything to do with Sané being off. I think it has more to do with Timo Werner being on the squad. Werner is one of those players who has made a name for himself at RB Leipzig for playing on the counterattack, playing in a team that presses high, presses often, and tries to win the ball back high up the pitch and counterattack, much like Liverpool. That's why Klopp had his eye on him for a little bit. That's why Real Madrid had their eye on him for a little bit. He's solid in front of goal, but technically he doesn't offer you a whole lot. He offers you pace. He offers you an ability to finish chances. But outside of that, he doesn't offer you almost anything. Mm -hmm. And that's something that teams look to take away by playing defensively. Mexico, for example, in the first game, basically put their entire team in the 18-yard box. There's no space to run in behind if you're center forward or you're even a wide forward like Timo Werner is to run in behind. So when you're taking away that pace, there's nothing left for you to do. And Germany's insistence on playing a player who kind of who thrives on that style is part of their downfall. So it's, it's almost essentially like playing a tenth... A, playing with a man down because you have to occupy space that someone else will be occupying you're getting in someone else's lane and and you're just getting in the way and i think that yes it's one thing to include leroy sane on the squad instead of julian brandt at the same time when brandt did come on the field in place of a royce or a werner or literally anyone else he was very effective he hit the post twice in two games i mean that's that's not by accident it, you're not trying to hit the post when you're in these games so it's it's one of those things where <laughs> you can't discredit how good of a player that Brent is and I think a lot of people who don't follow the Bundesliga don't exactly know what they're getting with him but I promise you what you're getting is a very solid player um, and Leverkusen do have a gem on their hands I believe he still plays for Leverkusen uh, yep but you Brandt is is one of the the young up-and-coming players for Germany who really should have been given more of a chance in this tournament I think um personally at the expense of Timo Werner. That kind of goes into how they play kind of stylistically. Germany don't play with a whole lot of width uh, further on the pitch. They let their <laughs> fullbacks get forward instead. Especially and the wide midfielders. Exactly. Let their wide midfielders cover the space in behind them. The only issue was when their fullbacks got forward, their center defensive midfielders, Kroos and Kadira, didn't track back. Yep. In theory, it works great when they track back, but they just didn't track back at all. Hummels and, so and uh, Boateng Hummels did not get the protection. And Rudiger and Boateng one on one in almost every single case. And yeah. Willie, you know, as a defender, you don't want to get left one on one almost. Ever. I, I forgot which of the first two games it was, but uh, Mets Hummels said me and Boateng were the only ones defending. Yeah, I believe it was the first game and they played together, and it it they it was it was not good. Kroos has this ability because he plays at Real Madrid. He doesn't have to track back because he's got Casemiro tracking back. He's got. Varane and Ramos playing yep. right behind him. And you can get away with playing one-on-one in La Liga nine times out of ten. Because unless you're playing Barcelona, the attacking talent just isn't going to be there. And even if they are, when you have teams like Real Madrid who have so much going forward, you don't care about how many goals you can see because you're going to score more at the other end. So it's just it's just one of those yep. things where Kroos, I believe, is a little bit arrogant in that sense because he plays in a system like Real Madrid. He does. But yep. that's for another time in general. So... As a solution for you, Owen, you mentioned both problems with the attack and defense, but what would you have done up front uh, to to combat the Timo Werner situation? Just put him on the bench, let him ride the bench, or don't even bring him to, to the tournament. I know he was great at the Confederations Cup, and he was fantastic in the Bundesliga. 21 goals and 31 appearances in 2016, 17, 13, and 32 league appearances last term, but he just could not, could not do anything right for and me in it, this tournament. And you like Mueller up there more than, than right. Gomez? 
Exactly. So what I what I want, what I would have liked to see from Germany is a kind of four two three one. The back line I think was fine as is. The two in midfield uh, that kind of shields in front of the back four, Kadira and Kroos, it would have been good if they tracked back. But I think that personnel-wise, that was fine. The three, I think, attacking-wise is fine. Any combination of Draxler, Royce, Ozil, uh, with Goretzka in there as well, I think would have been fine. And Tomas Müller up top, because Müller is one of those players who, no matter what he's doing on the pitch, he just finds a way to be in a really good spot. Defensively, with his position, or offensively, with his positioning, with his athleticism, and he just he just finds a way to be in a really good spot. And I think you can, when you have to play a team that packs it in defensively, you have to have that player, you have to have that ability. And Germany just didn't have that with Timo Werner. So a couple things on that point I want to mention, and I think um, Joachim Lowe, uh, in terms of some curious things. So I want to get your opinion on a couple things with, with on this topic. So first off, um. On the subject of Thomas Mueller, how do you not start? I, I know Gretzka's a good player, but how do you not start him in the last game? I, I get he's played on the outside. We can debate whether he should have been outside or up top, but how do you not have Mueller in the starting lineup? You at, at the end in the clinching game, you need your most experienced players on the field, like Argentina had. Yeah, and, and there was this really good piece by Rafael Honigstein. He's a, a German journalist who actually finished one of his books recently. He talked about this that that. Yogi Love was actually at the beach. I don't know if it was during the tournament. It was, it was at some point in the build-up to it. Kind of very relaxed about this whole thing. He's like, "Oh, we're gonna be fine. I'm not too stre- I'm not stressing about it." And maybe sometimes that approach doesn't work. You have a too relaxed approach to it. You know, there's a fine balance between being stressed about something and being nerve, uh, being kind of carefree about something. But you have to have a happy medium both. That stress that kind of gets you going and gets you thinking, and gets you operating, but at the same time, not to the point where it debilitates you. And I think. Germany didn't have that balance from the coaching staff, and that really transferred down to the players, which led to that casual approach, and just one yep. thing leads to another in that situation, and all of a sudden, before you know it, Germany's out of the tournament. This is a problem where Mats Hummel said, we haven't played a good game, you know, since 2017. Now, what about Owen? What about, um, I mean, do you think E.K. Gundogan, Gundogan um, could have been someone to put in there? I mean, he didn't get... I, I know, you, like I said, I don't want to contradict myself. You know, I got to go with the most experienced players, um, but maybe a slight formation change. I, listen, Sammy Kadira is just not the same player he he used to be, where he, he can't cover the ground. Um, but some form and Gundogan, Gundogan, sorry, has been good form. So even though he's not that kind of player to cover the ground, maybe some type of, I don't know, adjusted formation, maybe fitting him in there. Yeah, I, I personally would have wanted to see them, if if not Kadira, then start Gundogan in, in, in his place and really have that player who can cover that ground uh, because he is more of that box-to-box midfielder that Kadira right. was before Kadira started getting hurt pretty much every year. Yep. Uh, and the thing is with Kroos, you can let him kind of stay where he is if you have a player who tracks back because Kroos, you, you can't, give up i mean obviously we saw it against sweden against sweden you yep. can't give up that kind of technical ability just like that you have to have that in your team and for germany it was a balancing act and they just couldn't yep. manage all of it unfortunately for them absolutely man that, that was that was I, I can't believe it i just can't believe it yeah it's it's still a shocker and it's still disappointing um as someone who who really wanted germany to make a run at it. and i i did have them playing in the final but um you know not this time Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, my last thought, I don't know about, I don't know if you can, um, if you'd be able to um, agree or disagree with this, Willie, is um, 
I, I was not convinced by Harry Kane. I really wasn't. Um, I think for a player of his caliber, I expected more than, than a couple penalty. I mean, he obviously five goals in two games is a lot. Right. But he also had a, a, a quite a few penalties and uh, one goal that wasn't even he, it had nothing to do with him. Or against Tunisia. He happened yeah. to hit off his heel and go in the, in, in the top corner. So... I don't know. I personally expected more from Harry Kane. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on him. I would have put him as player of the tournament so far, if not for James. But really, outside of that, I haven't had. I haven't really thought anyone stood out as far as you know. Like this guy is the player. That's, like Griezmann was at the Euros a couple years ago. Like uh, by the group stage, we knew this guy was the player of the tournament already. Right. Well, in terms of um, you know, in terms of uh, Harry Kane. Yeah, I agree with you. We're, we're still waiting for him to replicate the club form. Um, I think he needs he just needs some help. He needs he needs more service into the box, and he needs someone, whether it's Lingard or Sterling or Deli Ali, if he's fit, or uh, I don't know Loftus Cheek charging for that. He needs he needs some more. They need more balance up there. Uh, in terms of the people that stood out to me, for me, it's it's got to be um, either it's got to be Ronaldo or Diego Costa. Um, Two heavyweight teams that struggled. Uh, they were put, particularly Portugal, put on their back by Ronaldo. Yeah, but and, and even again with with both of those players, I just didn't, I wasn't convinced if that makes sense. And obviously, we're only halfway through the tournament. If that, I mean, you know, we're still a ways away from crowning a winner here in, in in the World Cup. But it's just one of those things where I was not at all convinced by anyone outside of maybe James and maybe Harry Kane. But that's yeah. you know that's for something else entirely. No, I agree. Discussion. Harry Kane definitely didn't look as good as the five goals that he has to his name. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much a, a wrap on the group stage. It's been a really good uh, tournament so far. But now we get to the really fun stuff here in this tournament. After an hour and ten minutes of wrapping up the group stage, Willie, let's get right to it. Okay. Round um, of sixteen. Here we go. All right. Let's start at uh, the top. Uruguay against Portugal. Who do you right. got? Yep. Um, well, this is going to be a really interesting matchup because, uh, like we talked about before, Uruguay has been playing really well defensively. And um, when when they are and with Cavani and Suarez, you know, you'd really think that this is a team that is poised for a deep run. But there's just something about Portugal to me that just have such a swagger, a confidence. And, and I think for them... Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be able to go through in this one. I've actually got the opposite. I've got Uruguay. I think they built okay. on a lot of really good stuff in the the group stages. Um, obviously, not conceding a goal was really huge for them for a team that with that much going forward to show that that capacity defensively. I think Ronaldo or Portugal, excuse me, is too reliant on Ronaldo. They are, uh, and I think they will uh, they'll come up just short against Uruguay. Uruguay uh, winning this one. France against Argentina. I think we are both in agreement cool. here. Uh, France to beat Argentina. Uh, again, not totally convinced by what we've seen from Messi and company. Um, France to win, I think, pretty heavily. Well, it's interesting. Um, I have France, but I have a much closer game. Um, I, I just think at the end of the day, um, there's too many holes in the the Argentina midfield and defense. You know, we saw Mascherano had a really poor game, not just the penalty, but... Um, they're giving the ball away. There's just a lot of space in the midfield. Um, if 
Argentina is going to have any chance. They're going to have to press high like they did last game and then just be compact. But at the end of the day, um, I think that France just has too much talent uh, up front and will exploit Argentina's defensive fatalities. But I think it's going to be 1-0. Gotcha. Brazil against Mexico. Um, I think we've got a disagreement here. I've got Brazil taking this one. Well, so what score and, and why? Um, I, haven't, I don't think there's going to be a score. I think it'll be a close game for sure. But I think the, the prevailing thought is going to be, uh, with Mexico especially, um, success breeding complacency instead well, of success breeding success. Because the result from Germany ha- was really the only outstanding game they've played in this tournament out of three. That's right. Uh, they were abysmal against Sweden. Um, they scraped by against South Korea. But I think they're going to need to, they're going to need to be a lot more against they're going to need to show a lot more against Brazil I think um, and it's one of those things where you know you can obviously raise your game for the for Germany but can you do it again for Brazil after losing three 0 to Sweden at the end of the group stage so I think it's more of them limping to the group stage and I think they'll ultimately fall to Brazil. Well, I think Mexico it's going to reverse. I think Mexico's going to they got the complacency out of the way now they're going to be recharged. Um, they play Brazil tough. They beat them at the Olympics uh, in 2012. They tied them uh, in the group stage last World Cup. Um, they have, for what it's worth, Memo Ochoa is playing is a hot keeper right now, and you know what how that can help a team. Um, and I think that they're going to be better defensively. And they play, like I said, they play better against teams that they can counterattack and sit back and play disciplined defensively. So I think they have their front four is enough where if they stay compact defensively, which is a big if against a team like Brazil, they have enough to score. And so I think they'll win uh, they'll they'll win like two to one. Interesting. Yes. That, that's gonna be I think my my match of the round of sixteen for sure. Sure. Belgium Japan. Uh, Belgium Japan, I don't think there's any dis- any disagreement between us two. Belgium winning pretty handily in this one. Um, just yeah. so much going forward and just all around a, a team head and shoulders above Japan. Yeah, B- Belgium can score goals for fun, even their reserves like Batshuayi. Uh, for a team like J- hold Japan... On, hold on, You mentioned Batshuayi. I just, I, I, I cannot, cannot record this podcast without mentioning his most epic fail today. <laughs> Kicking the ball yeah, off the I know, post I know, back I into know. his face. That was pretty, so, that was really so funny. Good. I know, the, I know. The best part of that, was he actually acknowledged that he fucked up on social media? Like he actually acknowledged it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it was just comical, so man. Good. I mean, that was just oh, hilarious. I, I that was one of the most funniest moments of the tournament. Um, moving, for sure. Sorry, moving on. Um, yeah, Belgium, such a good team all around. Yep. I think they've got this one. Um, same thing with Spain and Russia. I think you and I are in agreement. Spain taking this one. Um, just you know, the host showed a lot at the group stage, but I just don't think they'll be able to replicate that against. Uh, a team that's done it before. I think a big thing in this game, though, is going to be who scores first. Because Russia's the kind of team that, you know, commentators are talking about this. Like, they they look really inspiring. When when they had took the lead, they they made the lead more. Um, but against Uruguay, they, they folded once they got the first goal. Uh, I know they had the red card. But uh, if Russia can somehow get the first goal, it's going to be it could be a different game. But, yeah, I think Spain has not, too much talent to go through. Let's go through. Croatia, Denmark. Uh, we got our disagreement here. I've got Croatia. I like Denmark, man. I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day, Denmark's going to sit compact defensively. I think Croatia would almost rather play against a team um, that likes to play open uh, 
So Denmark's going to play solid defensively, and like we said before, um, they have enough talent in the midfield to not only keep that midfield battle somewhat even, but also to create scoring chances going forward. And I think my big thing with Croatia is just the ability to to play multiple styles. They've got players who can play balls and defeat. Um, you've got obviously Modric Mandzukic. and Rakitic, who are two of the better yep. midfielders in the world. Mandzukic, who can win balls in the air, and Rebic, who you never know what you're going to get. Rebic, as good. well, running in behind Ivan Perisic if given the rare opportunity to... And Kramaric is good, too. Yep. Exactly. So a lot of a lot of good things to look forward to for Croatia. Oh, so much. Sweden, right. Switzerland. Um, we both got Sweden here. I think there's, um, again, kind of building off what they did in the group stage, just more solid performances from Sweden. At least that, that's my train of thought. This is, to be honest, though, this is the game that I'm actually most unsure about. If I had to pick a game I'm most uncertain about, because I think Switzerland's actually going to be the favorite. Uh, they... They uh they can score men and I I mean they've been pretty solid in the tournament so far overall so that's true we'll see if Sweden can keep it up yeah Colombia England I like Sweden though sorry just to go okay. back to that one yeah I, I do like Sweden just because okay. of, of what they what they showed us again in the group stages obviously needing to win against Mexico they played really well Mexico didn't play well um, but I think the way they did it is is conducive to more success uh, at this level and I think they've got what needs to be done against uh, Switzerland. And they're very compact defensively. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need. Yeah. Colombia, England. Hey, Willie, is it coming home? Uh, no, no, it's not. It's it's gonna be rolled over by Colombians. Uh, Pablo Escobar, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> no. In in all seriousness, I think Colombia's got this one. Um, England, pretty uninspiring in the group stage. Obviously, playing right. Panama, Tunisia, not that great. Plus, Belgium reserves with your reserves. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot that jumps out at you about England. But obviously, you never know with these. I just don't think that Colombia, even with even without James, uh, would still beat England. Well, first of all, like you said, England's got to fire. On, they've got to be. They've got to take their chances on offense. They have to be much more they're they've got to complete passes they've got to be sharper on offense and then on defense you know i'm curious like we're going to see what they're made of you know are they going to keep john stones in there can they trust him can they trust kyle walker how's that back three going to that those three center backs going to do that that's what i'm very curious about and then on the wings uh is juan Condrado going to be able to exploit that formation so uh, i think defensively we're going to learn a lot i i prefer personally hope they put in Gary Cahill, because I don't, I don't think John Stones is um, in this kind of game. You want, I think I trust Cahill more, but we'll see. Gary Cahill, a Chelsea man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh man. So with that said, let's head to the the quarterfinals. Let's, I mean, from this point, we don't really know what's going to happen. We haven't seen any knockout games mm-hmm. played yet, so these are more kind of shots in the dark. Um, yep. But I want to get your take on this. Um, yeah. So. Well, for me, uh, in my Portugal against France, who we got? Right. Yeah. So for Portugal, France. Yeah, I just think that uh, France is going to eventually is going to start progressively playing better and better. At the end of the day, I like the fact they're compact defensively, and they just have so much talent all over the field that I think um, they'll be able to figure out against the team that uh, is very reliant on one player up top. Yeah, different um, different fixture for me. I've got France against Uruguay, but same result. I've got France winning this one as well. I just think they, for as uninspiring as they've kind of looked so far, they will get better and they will make adjustments, um, and eventually they will pull out the win against. against let me Uruguay. let me ask you this: Do you think France? Do you think that 
What, what do you think in terms of their, their formation? There's a lot being made of, should they do midfield two and a midfield three, uh, first off. And then do you also think, like, do you think they need a lineup? Like, do you think they need a Dembele to start or maybe even, like, a Thomas Lamar? Like, just some, some fresh legs in there? Or do you I, think it's just... I yeah. think both fresh legs and also a formation change might suit them really well. I think with if you introduce Corentin Toliso and Thomas Lamar, you're adding different elements and fresh legs that you didn't have in the group stage. Particularly if you're playing with a style that has Giroud up top, uh, winning headers, holding up the play. Uh, I, I think he's he's a, he's got what you would need out of France's number nine and to be able to distribute that to players who are very technically gifted and also very good defensively, like Toliso and Lamar. I think they've got a good chance of, of getting through here, uh, but it's got to it's got to happen. Um, Yep. and Paul they've Pogba. Got, they've got to perform. They Pogba has to perform better. I think uh, their their attacking players have to perform better. But they've got yep. they've got what they need to be successful. It's just a question of actually going out and doing it. Yep, absolutely. Right. Next game for you. You have Mexico, Belgium. I have Brazil, Belgium. Um, who do you got here? Well, for me, uh, I got Mexico. Um, to me, whether it's Mexico, Belgium, or Brazil, Belgium. Uh, Belgium's a lesser to me version of Brazil and to me Belgium is really going to be exposed when they play a team that can really hit them on the counter because even in the games that they look solid like their their defensive pressure isn't there and they can get run over defensively in the midfield so they're tactically um, defensively there's some holes there against a team that can go toe-to-toe to them. They just haven't played a team that can do it yet, and Japan's not going to be able to do it either. It's just funny you say that that Belgium is a lesser version of Brazil because I actually have Brazil-Belgium in that game, and I have Brazil winning that game. I mean, I have obviously Brazil winning the whole thing, and I stand by that, but I've got that beating Belgium, which is yep. like a lesser version of themselves. Um, I just think that, that it's it's too... It'd be too un-Brazil for them not to, to make a run at this, at least. So at the end of the day, I think that if I were to put my money on it, like even though I don't have them in this bracket, if I had to put $1,000 right now on any team, it'd be Brazil. They look like the best team. But I just more think it's about Mexico. I think this is their time. But again, so. it, it, it hasn't been all that convincing from Brazil, which makes this tournament even better to watch because you know, you'd expect – you know what you're going to get from from Brazil, Right, right. You, think, and, you would think, but you you just don't know for sure. And you pointed it out. I mean, yeah, like let's be fair. You know, against against you know Costa Rica, you know, two goals right at the end of the game. You know what I mean? Like if they if they if they tie that game, you're going into the you know in third place into the group and in the last game. You know, like you said, they haven't. Uh, sure, teams will sit back against them, but they, it hasn't been all that convincing from them. Yeah, absolutely. Next All right. game for us. Yep. I just lost where my bracket was. Give me one oh. second. Uh, here On the go. other side, Spain you, against Croatia for me. Dude, this whole yeah. What, what do you think? What do you what do you have in that one? Um, this is my first upset. I've got Croatia into the semifinals. Okay. Why is that? Spain's complacency. I think. From from what I've seen of Spain, is they're going to shoot themselves in the foot more often than not, uh, especially with this possession game and the way that Croatia can can kind of hit you on the counterattack with the pace they have in behind mm-hmm. the players uh, on the ball like Modric and Rakitic and Mandzukic right. holding up the play with Rebic and Kramaric. Uh, again, it 
I just I just like Croatia's chances against a team like Spain. And also, additionally, Croatia's play plays really good team defense too. Um, yeah. they 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 play have a really solid shape. Um, yeah, dude, this whole side of the draw is just crazy. Uh, because there, I don't know who to trust out of the eight teams on the other side. You know, yeah. I just happen to think in this, if the, these two teams were to play, Spain's Spain would just find a way to to score a couple goals and that would go through. But they've looked less than convincing, so I could see that game going either way. I, I have Spain beating Denmark though. Yeah, and then last of the quarterfinals, uh, I have Sweden Colombia, which is I think what you have as well. Yeah, that is what you have as well. Um, I've got Colombia ending Sweden's fairy tale run. Um, yeah. It's good to see them get this far, but I think Colombia is going to make it to the semifinals this year. Too much fire, too much firepower. Yeah, even um, without James Rodriguez, I think they've got what it takes. Also, dude, hypothetically, just think if uh, if Colombia gets past England, how much uh, uh, trash talking do you think Sanchez will do to Harry Kane? Oh man. Uh... Oh boy! Maybe Jonathan dinner. Sanchez gonna have uh, he's gonna have some words for Harry Kane if indeed Harry Kane doesn't go to Madrid. Yeah, because you know Madrid's always looking for a new Galactico. For sure. So, All right. So my final uh, four looks like this: France playing Brazil in one of the semifinals, Croatia and Colombia in the other. All right. So who do you got in uh, France Brazil? I've got Brazil. I've got them winning it, so they have to win this one. Um, so they'll go on to win that one. It's just a question of who they play in the final. Yeah, I think for me, um, if they were to get this far, and I mean, listen, France is the kind of team that could also lose in the round of 16, the way they've been playing, but um, France is disciplined defensively, and I think uh, that kind of serves them well, because as, as, as good as Brazil looks, you just wonder if their open style of play could catch up to them on the wrong day. That, that's, that's all. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. Um, but I just I just have a feeling about Brazil this time around. Um, and of course, I was wrong because I had them playing Germany in the final, and now that's all up in flames. So who knows at this point? What do you, also, I want to ask you real quick about Brazil. What do you, what do you make of William being subbed out in the second game? And they put him back in the third game because Costa got injured. I thought that was a really interesting decision. Um, I think it's one of those things where when you're a team like Brazil and you kind of know that you're going to go to the next round, it's, it's tinkering with what works well and what doesn't. I mean, we saw this with Germany four years ago. They tested Goetze as a false nine instead of Muller, and that didn't work out as well. No. Um, but they put they put Muller back in that position. Goetze didn't play again until, oh, I don't know, the World Cup final where he scored the win. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you never really know, and especially in the group stage, it's a chance for some teams, some of the quote-unquote bigger teams like Brazil and Germany and Spain and France and and all those others to ex- really experiment with those squads and, and see what works best. And I, I think that's what we're going to see or what we saw out of, out of Brazil. Um, but this is, this is go time now. This is time for, for them to really show what they've got. And I think they've got it. Absolutely. It definitely is, man. And for guys like, uh, guys, stay solid in the midfield, Casemiro and all. All right. Uh, what, what, what game is next? <laughs> um, oh, the other one, Colombia. Second semifinal. Colombia. And you had, uh, Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. Colombia and Croatia. So, my team losing to Brazil in the World Cup final will be Croatia. Croatia. Wow. I've got Croatia going to the World Cup final. It's a ballsy oh, pick. I got, made it about an hour and a half I ago. i got to call you out here, man. You didn't even have Croatia advancing. No, I didn't. I, I was very wrong about Croatia. So we're all I will, wrong. I, I will admit that I was wrong. I was very, very wrong about Croatia. But Whatever. from what I've seen from them so far in the group stages, 
was very impressive. And I think yep. when you put them up against every other team they're going to play on that side of the bracket, they've got, you'd have to say, a very good chance, if not the edge. So I like Croatia here. Let me ask you, do you think about Croatia? I mean, they, they play very good team defense. Do you think, though, their individual defenders are good enough, though? Uh, that's kind of a loaded question because Dayan Lovren plays for Liverpool, and we know what yeah. he can do when he's not on his when he's not playing well, to say the least. Right. Um, but I, I think I think they've got what it takes. I think it's not so much it's not so much the individuals in situations like this. It's more just a collective, um, and I think it'll that'll serve them well playing against your Spains who have been known to shoot themselves in the foot at least recently, uh, and your Colombias who outside of James Rodriguez, offer you enough to scare you, but maybe not enough to defeat you. I, I just worry that this is going to turn in. I don't want to say a Spain situation with, with Croatia, but I just worry that um, Modric, they have a lot of talent. Modric is a magician. Um, and they, but at the end of the day, you know, if there's a team that plays compact defensively, um, sure, they can, if they want to mix it up, they can, you know, cross the ball into Menzukic, but... Um, I don't know. I just worry that maybe, maybe they'll just run out of ideas. That's, that sounds yeah, crazy that's enough. That's a possibility. But on the other side of that, you also have a player who's who's known for being the guy, the midfield guy at Real Madrid, who are three-time European defending champions uh, in in Modric. Sure. And I just think that ultimately, at the end of the day, he's got enough to to put the team on his back, albeit. Not the, not the biggest of backs, but I'll, he's he's got what they need at least to get um, his team to that point. Um, ultimately, I think Brazil are going to beat them in the final, but it, I, I think yeah, Croatia. Sure. I would tip Croatia go on a big run here. Uh, okay, guys. well, interesting, man. I mean, it could very well happen. And in, in my semifinals, real quick, I just have Spain getting Colombia. At the end of the day, if Spain gets this far, they'll be playing well. Colombia looks good, but not great. So I think that uh, Spain will have enough to go through. Yeah, Which brings us to there. the finals. So, first of all, Owen, who you got? Well, I mean, Brazil. I guess Croatia we don't even have to go. Th- we yeah. don't, I guess we don't have to do the third place game. Uh, if Colombia beating Mexico, but uh, yeah, I have, got- I have actually Colombia beating. Eng- uh, no, not England. France in the third place game again. France comes up short in a big tournament. And and plays who? Oh, uh, Colombia. Yeah, great. Okay, so what about the finals? Brazil against Croatia. I think Brazil wins it pretty handily, about three or four to one. Wow. Yes. I think this is their year. Yeah. Wow, that's inter- that's interesting, man. What do you think Brazil if they if this happened would be their toughest game? Would it be Belgium? Mm, honestly, I think it would be Mexico. Because yeah, you, I think so you too. wouldn't you wouldn't assume that Belgium is going to pack it in defensively. You think Belgium with the players they have going forward are going to give it everything and everything I think is going to be a tough test for Brazil, but I think Brazil have got enough on their end as well to to withstand it. And defensively, they looked okay so far. Not nearly as bad as they did four years ago. Here's a point that I want to bring up, which I think is really interesting about Brazil. Okay. If we look at every... There's something to be said about suffering. You look at teams like... um, Spain and Portugal that were up against the ropes. Um, you look at a team like Colombia, um, hypothetically. Um, France, yes, the road hasn't been easy. 
But um, I don't. They haven't trailed in the game yet, right? And they haven't really been up as much as they. The games haven't been easy. Like there was never. And out of any of the three games, I never thought at any point that they were going to lose any of the games. And I just wonder if Brazil might just be too good in the end. But I wonder um, what's going to happen when if they get into a game that's just a close game. Um, it's tough when that first time that happens is in the knockout stage. You got to figure out what you're made of. This is a single elimination tournament. Yeah. From now on, you know, yeah, it, it'll be tough for teams that haven't been in this situation before. And I think. Brazil have both shown not they've haven't been they haven't impressed but they haven't shown that kind of weakness after you know going a goal down um, so I think ultimately they'll get the job done yeah and it's just I, one of those things where no one's really shown up so far no one's really 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 impressed I mean there have obviously been disappointments but no one's really grabbed this tournament by the uh, by the groin and been like this is this is my tournament I'm going to win it I'm going to shit on all of you so right but that's the beauty of the game we haven't seen it yet but we might still well Brazil maybe maybe the most likely team they were the betting favorites coming into the tournament they got through won the group they seem like a team that could really do it um yeah and they just have so much talent for me I yeah I have uh, uh France uh winning uh against Spain I think France will have figured it out they have a lot of talent. Um, different guys up top will take turns scoring goals. Uh, close game, but they'll be have enough to get through. Uh, for the record, uh, my mom has Portugal beating uh, Sweden in the final. Really? So if that happens, that's a big call. If that happens, shout out to the mom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do want to mention though. It was really funny. I was reading this earlier today. Um, the Simpsons predicted a while ago. I don't know if it was specifically for 2018. But mm-hmm. they predicted a Portugal Mexico World Cup final, so we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on. Did that they really? Happen. Yeah, they Portugal did. Mexico, and they were they were right about Trump being president. They were right about the Disney Fox takeover. They were well, right about they were right about a lot of things. Wow, so, that's incredible. I mean, keep an one eye of on. them. Unfortunately, I mean, they're both on the same side of the draw, but uh, one of those teams could definitely reach oh, the finals. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they could definitely. They're, they're, <laughs> no, no, but they, one of those teams could that's definitely reach the finals. But I want to give you uh, your your take. As a wrap up on a on a couple of general things in World Cup that everybody's been talking about and some of the fans wanted answers. <laughs> so first, um, what 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 do you think about Senegal being eliminated on the fair play rule? I have a proposed solution, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. Either it's fair or not fair. Honestly, I I kind of think it's fine as is. Um, there's obviously the association that the. The connotation that FIFA is going with with yellow cards that you're playing dirty, um, that may not be the case. It may be time wasting. It may be uh, different ways of of manipulating the game in your favor. Um, I think the person person of the rule is fine. Um, I do see how Sweden could feel hard done, but at the end of the day, uh, I think um, I think it's all good for uh, for Senegal. They they played really well this tournament, but at the end of the day. Uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, for me, uh, I think actually, yes, it was fair because it was the rules. Everyone knew it. Um, I actually think a better metric, believe it or not, would be corner kicks, man. I think really? corner kicks are a really good measure of, of your offensive. The, the the next best measure besides goal scores of offensive maybe measurements is corner kicks because usually if you have more corner kicks, you're the team that's attacking more. 
So that's just an idea that I had. Because I think yellow cards, I, I don't know. That, that's a tough one. I can yeah. see why they do it. That's, that's so, definitely a take. <laughs> yeah. So it's I, definitely I, not cold. Yeah, for sure. I have two more uh, fun ones. The last one especially. But two out, second out of the three, what are your thoughts on the uh, VAR so far in the tournament? Um, unfortunately, with VAR, we've seen that some players, looking at you, Cristiano Ronaldo – are bigger than VAR. Yes. Uh, and when you're adding one subjective opinion to another subjective opinion, it just turns into a whole situation of, of that person's preference. And at the end of the day, that proved to be costly for some teams. Um, and the thing is, it, it would have been nice to see like in Iran or Morocco or Tunisia or a, a, you know, a true, true underdog make it to the knockouts. But at the end of the day, in these tournaments, it tends to always be the you know the big boys. Dude, the, Ronald, the top Ronaldo teams. got lucky not only with the foul. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. That's the VAR is unfortunately bigger, or but, the players are bigger than VAR. Did you see the handball he had too? Right at the end of the game, where someone tried to take a kick and he just stuck his hand out. Yeah. I mean, he got away with two things. Yeah, and I think the VAR at the end of the day, there's just, I think it's helped more than it's hurt. Um, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to subjective opinion, you know, and sometimes they still get the calls wrong. Yeah. Definitely. So it's a good, but not great system. Right. Uh, I agree. So, there. so finally, uh, it's a two part question. A, who has more to gain or lose for their legacy, Messi or Ronaldo? And B, if Argentina were to play, beat France and Portugal to beat Uruguay, who would win in that game? Against Argentina, against Portugal? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, well, first of all, I'd say Messi has more to lose, but also more to gain. Um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, I think, has already cemented his legacy. He's a better goal scorer all around. He is kind of, you know, the guy who stepped up for his team when they really needed it the most. Um, mm-hmm. But Messi is Messi, and, uh, you know, of course, he's drawn comparisons to Pele and Maradona for obvious reasons. Um, and he doesn't have the international accolades that Ronaldo does, even though a lot of people would say that Messi has a better team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's one of those things that's tough to measure because football is not a, an individual sport, and and you know mm-hmm. this is why I don't watch as much basketball as I used to because people talk about it like it's an individual sport. Yes, one individual's influence can be bigger than in other team sports, but at the same time, you're talking about a team effort, which is why people mentioning LeBron's finals record makes me want to just vomit all over the place because that's just not representative of what he has. He has probably the best statistical record of any player in NBA's finals history. Again, that's for another podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, I'd have to say say Messi has more to gain, uh, but Ronaldo would ultimately... Would ultimately win uh, in in a head to head between Portugal or I guess Portugal would win in a head to head with Argentina just because it, it's it's this is the thought I had a couple days ago is that Portugal's players they're not as talented on the whole as Argentina they're so not Argentina's got the, the edge on the talent but Portugal's players know their role better they know they are supporting Cristiano Ronaldo Messi's players they're trying to be they're trying to get out of Messi's shadow if that makes that's sense. right they're, they're trying to be more than Messi. As opposed that's, to with Portugal, kind of realizing that this is our Ronaldo. guy. We got to this get is our guy. We have to, to go with him. Exactly. That's right. We're so not, I think Ronaldo is trying to do their own thing. Is this a situation though where you'd almost? This sounds crazy, but from a legacy perspective, if you don't win, you'd almost rather want to lose early because you know, say 
Argentina or Portugal make a deep run of the tournament and then one of them has a bad game at the end and then people will say, oh, well, in the biggest moments, you know, Messi didn't perform again or, you know, Ronaldo just laid an egg there. Well, I, I think with that, you, you'd almost want to get to that point in, in the first place because you, you don't, you take away the kind of ammunition for the haters. You don't let them say that you messed up in a big moment because you couldn't even get to the big moment. So yeah, you, that's kind of, true. you take away that situation. I think for me personally, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody, uh, but I yeah. think it's really important to be able I'm, to say, you know, Hey, we got here in the first place off of this player's contribution. At the same time, if they lose in that situation, it's maybe you can't point fingers necessarily. You know, while we're on this and we don't want to, I won't, I won't ramble too long. This is the last thing I'll say, but you know, we'll, we'll definitely miss these guys when they're done when Argentina players retire and, and Messi and Ronaldo don't go to the World Cup, but Diego Simeone brought up a really interesting point, and this is like could be a whole topic in your podcast. But just to to give your, I'm curious your concise thoughts on Diego Simeone said that on a neutral team, and this is the on a neutral team, Ronaldo's the better player because he's bigger, he can do, he and he can just you know you see on a, on a situation on a team like this where. Uh, or Messi, when he's not with team, when he's not in a system that suits him perfectly, and because he's smaller than Ronaldo, he's not quite as versatile. And while I would say Messi has definitely had the better career and maybe the best player of all time based on his career achievements, like there's something to be said about this tournament and the way that Messi and Ronaldo function outside of their club teams. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I agree with Simeone. I think it's more of a situation where. I think what Ronaldo provides you is more of that, you know, I am the guy. He provides you with that leadership, that ego, which sometimes right. you really do need. Messi, I don't think he's got as much of that that kind of mentality. Um, right. Obviously, that's that's not something you can quantify, and I think Messi also does believe he is the best player on the planet. I mean, to be at that level, you do have to believe you are the best. At the same time, I think it's, it's you know, on a neutral team, all things equal, I would prefer, personally, Messi. Because, at least from a footballing perspective, he gets more of your players involved. Ronaldo is more on the end of crosses, scoring yeah. free kicks, creating chances, or not creating chances, finishing chances for him, himself. Messi is more, I'm going to create this, whether or not I actually score it isn't up to me. It's like well, teammates. I, yeah, I mean, I would say Messi is definitely a better player. And the thing is, he definitely creates for teammates opportunities. But the thing is, like, you, you just see it this tournament. Um, Messi when he drops back to get the ball and there's one, two defenders on him, you know, it kind of neutralizes him. And because, yes, he can play closer to the goal and that certainly helps him. But at the end of the day, you know, Ronaldo's just a bigger guy. And so, you know, he's been playing forward for Portugal and that role suits him fine. Whereas Messi can play up front, but it's still not natural for him. So I think in that way, um, on a team like this, in a situation like this, Messi just has a harder time. It, um, you know, Ronaldo, it's easier for Ronaldo because of his size to play closer to the goal. Right, but it, for me, I, I like to equate Messi to LeBron more because you know that teams are going to That's true. have more of an emphasis on you. And when that happens, they take the emphasis away from your teammates. And all things equal, if on the same playing field, if you put Messi and Ronaldo on the same exact team and kind of see which one does better, I think if you take a defender off of Messi uh, and put it or you take one off of a teammate and put it on Messi, you're going to leave that teammate open. And if you leave that teammate open, they're going to convert a chance that you create for them. So 
it's not necessarily finding space for yourself. It's finding space for someone else. And I think Messi does a better job of doing that than Ronaldo. Again, this is all personal preference. Um, but I think for me personally, I would prefer I would have Messi in that situation. Yeah, no, that's an interesting take, man. Well, put it this way, dude. If he didn't score against um, Nigeria and Argentina went out, boy, would the haters really ramp up the pressure on him, man. Because we were... This was through two games in the tournament, this situation where uh, Ronaldo was getting all the praise and Messi was getting all the bloom, yeah. a lot of bloom. Yeah, so, well, yeah. you score one goal and all of a sudden everyone loves you again. So everyone loves you again. Works. And everyone's crying. We're going to miss this Argentina team, man. If these guys all retire... If this is Messi and Ronaldo's last World Cup, it's going to be a sad one for sure. Um, but all just all but, of Argentina, you know? Yeah. Aguero, Higuain, Ever Benega, you know, Di Maria. If all these guys retire from international duty. Right. Right. The end of an era for Argentina could be after this tournament. That's right. Um, Any last thoughts for you? My big thing is I am just in such a good place going into the round of 16. Um, we've seen so much from so many different teams, and no one's really set themselves apart yet, and no one's really fallen off the pack yet, which is so, so great from a neutral perspective. Obviously, you and I would have preferred to mm-hmm. see the USA in this situation, but, you know. Oh, a, certain, a certain coach doesn't know that representing yeah. the U.S. doesn't care where you're from. And, you know, playing some of your better German players could be helpful in the long run. Looking at you, Bruce Arena. Yep. And, oh, uh, oh, I did have a really, really hot take. Um, oh, cool. Let's hear I, I want Michael Bradley to retire from the U.S. men's national team forever. Really? Retire. Leave. Leave. Get Why? Nothing to, he is the captain of the men's national team. Well, there's, there's also a host of other players who I think should retire, but I've, I've made my feelings clear about them as well. I'll just name some of them. Uh, Brad Guzan is one of them. I don't want him to goalkeeper yeah. Atlanta either. Um, well, actually, off the top of my head, it's just those two. Brad Guzan and Michael Bradley. Um, but namely, Michael Bradley, when you are the captain of the U.S. men's national team and you fail to qualify for the World Cup in CONCACAF with the resources the United States have, you should take it on yourself to either win the next World Cup or retire forever from all football. Not even go close to the sport. Go work in finance for all I care. Michael Bradley is the one person I will blame the most if the USA doesn't get it out of the knockout rounds in the next World Cup. Okay, let's talk about qualifying first, then getting out of the knockout rounds, and then so on and so forth. But Michael Bradley is the biggest disappointment to the U.S. men's national team that I can remember. I mean, I'm only 23, but still. Wow. Michael Bradley is the problem. He is the problem in American football right now. He wow. is the problem. That that's it. Take. Wow, that's really I'm interesting. I'm getting upset just thinking about it. Wow, is it any his qual- performance in qualifying specifically, or over his, his career? In qualifying, he plays in the MLS as opposed to in Europe, where if he was a real quality player, he would be playing. It's just there's top yeah. to bottom. So he did his issues. game dropped off when he when he. There's so many problems with Michael Bradley being the captain of the U.S. national men's national team, and the minute they took captaincy away from away from Clint Dempsey and gave it to Michael Bradley is the day the U.S. men's national team started going downhill. Well, I will stand by that take. You know what I think was a real all right on the topic of Michael Bradley, dude. Um, going back to the uh, 2014 World Cup uh, when the U.S. was in it. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann made a real tactical error by not bringing, you know, more big forwards because when they had, you know, when Josie Altidore against Ghana gets injured and um, he goes out of the game and they move Clint Dempsey up top, uh, forces Michael Bradley into an attacking midfielder role, dude. 
And if there's one thing, say what you want about Michael Bradley, but if there is anything he's good at, it's covering ground defensively and kind of shielding the back four. And him playing an advanced role, boy, oh, boy, dude. Like, he, he's not the guy that we wanted there. If we had Pulisic in that back then, man, you know. Well, he could defend the back four against Trinidad and Tobago. So as far as I'm well, concerned, he can't defend a back four to save his life. Well, let me tell you, yeah, man, that, that's tough. You know, one thing, too, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll tell you, my take was, uh, what did you think the odds are coming in the World Cup we'd have no African teams in the knockout round? All four were eliminated. I mean, usually there's only one or two, but it, I feel like the odds are pretty slim at that point, and it, it was disappointing to see. I sure. thought that Morocco was the highest-ranked team of the four, but they were in a tough group, but I, I really thought that um, Morocco, Senegal, Nigeria, and Egypt, all four were good enough to make the knockout round. So oh, I agree. I definitely. thought one of them. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Anyways, um, I had one more thought on Michael Bradley. He's just a shitty Jordan Henderson, and Jordan dude, Henderson's not exactly the eye-catching headline. He's not creating. Dude, so do you think uh, they player. should make a replacement, Ruben Loftus Cheek or Eric Dyer for for Henderson? He's just a sideways player. No, but I think that's what they need. I think for for Liverpool, sometimes he can be a detriment, but I think for England, that's exactly what they need because sometimes I think they get they get too aggressive and try to go forward too much or try to press too much sometimes you need a player who's going to slow it down for you for and, sure and i think that's that's what england need more of um especially if they want to to you know as they what do you think say, the key is home. for them what do you think the key is for them going forward um don't rely on spurs players <laughs> um, i mean del- yeah. no, all, all jokes aside um I think the key is just going to be to to not think about the past and think about the present and keep everything in perspective. Obviously, they know that England hasn't won the World Cup since '66. They're going to know that very, very well. The English press isn't doing a good job of helping with that, but I, I think that they're going to need to really stay in the moment and and just take every pass, every touch, one at a time. Yeah. No. I no. I would agree, man. Um, I think. Yeah, like I said, I think they got to change this. I, I really think they they should. I know Rashford didn't have a good game today, but but someone up top, maybe it's even Jamie Vardy. Like it's just someone has got to replace Sterling, in my opinion. And then uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's a lot coming our way though. That's that's what's that we are so excited for. Um, we're also so excited to bring you some more content pretty regularly. Yeah. If this works out, this remote recording software works out then we are going to bring you more content probably on a weekly basis um just ripping yeah. off take after take after take again michael bradley just a shitty jordan henderson that's all i'm saying um, yeah but uh i think we've we're almost at two hour mark and we've never even come close to that on a show so that yeah, just shows you how psyched we are for this fucking world cup mm, i'm so excited so excited mm-hmm. for the knockout rounds. me too um, but that'll do it, I think, for Willie and myself. Willie, you have any last-minute thoughts before we head out of here? James Rodriguez, game-changer in the World Cup. If he's healthy or, or yeah, injured for Fingers the crossed for him. He was my player of the tournament in the group stage, even though he really only played one game. Uh, he was elected and in the fact, game. And in fact, you know, Peckerman said he's, quote, very worried, end yeah, quote. Yeah, about so, it. so yep. it's definitely uh, a little worried about, about Colombia in that sense. Yep. All right, this is fun. Yeah, no, we're going to um, hopefully bang out more of these podcasts uh, on a more frequent basis. Mm-hmm. But 
We've had a lot of fun doing this one. We hope you enjoy listening to it. If you've got two hours of your time to sacrifice to two dudes talking about sports, you know, uh, what well, could be more fun than that? You know, <laughs> yeah, know literally sure. anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah Anyways, uh, this has been hot takes only a show where we only give you the hottest, the scorching hot takes yeah. uh, from myself, Owen Hill and that my boy, Willie Kniesner. If you like what you heard here, be sure to tune in every, every week, new stuff, new hot takes. Willie, Michael Bradley, not a good player, needs to retire ASAP. That's the kind of hot take we're bringing into you every single week. Yep. Uh, that'll do it for us. Willie, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, as always, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have something good for you before the, the end of the World Cup here. Uh, I know we're excited, and we hope you are as well. So yep. from our studios here in Claremont and in downtown L.A., uh, I want to wish you all a very happy beginning to the knockouts of the World Cup, and may the best team win. Yep.